Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Alicia here with you. Good to have you back. And I'm attempting podcast difficulty level eight at this point because um, I have a guest both in the office with me and also on VoIP. So first, let me welcome Jenny Davies, who's a TAM uh, here in Amazon in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to the podcast, Jenny. Thanks, Simon. Great to be here. I've been a big fan of the podcast, listened since episode one. Wow. Original, old school. And uh, on VoIP, we have Mark Napoli in Sydney, who's also a technical account manager here at Amazon Web Services. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Simon. It's good to be back. I think I was on the podcast uh, maybe three years ago, uh, talking about what a TAM does. And uh, and here, here I am again in 2017 doing the same thing. So thanks for having me back. Great to have you back. And um it's always good to uh, have returned guests to the podcast and hopefully things are uh, a little higher quality than back then, although we, we do keep it rough and ready and a little bit agricultural. So um, so what does have both of you come on the podcast to talk to us about a very interesting role within AWS, and that is one of the technical account manager. I'm not going to try and explain it because I have one right with me, Jenny. So Jenny, do you want to tell us what is the role of a technical account manager as part of enterprise support? Sure, Simon. And look, thanks for the opportunity. So a technical account manager is someone we really look uh, for people who have that rare mix of technical and soft skills to work with our enterprise customers. So terms, we try to work on site with our customers as much as possible, really ensuring that uh, they are getting what they require from enterprise support. So we have a very deep engagement with these customers. We want to really spend a lot of time learning and understanding their environment. You'll typically find, Simon, that um, TAMs are often the customer's first point of contact into AWS. So it's really important that that TAM is able to understand the technical concepts as well as articulate them at all levels within that customer. And, and so the TAM is, is there really in many ways day-to-day from an operational standpoint alongside the customer. Their, their role is to understand deeply what are the key systems, what are the key drivers, what's going on day-to-day, what are some of the programmatic challenges that that customer may be facing. Yeah, it's that it, kind of deep inv- – it's almost like being an employee of the customer, really. Exactly. So we often refer to ourselves as the customer's advocate within AWS, and, and I must admit sometimes I feel more like I work for the customer than I work for AWS, mm-hmm. which I think is a really healthy attitude to take into the role. Um, we do try to be as proactive as possible in uh, within that customer environment. So – not just reacting to issues the customer has, but working closely with them, understanding their architecture, understanding uh, the priority of their workloads, and making sure that if something you know unexpected does happen, that we mm. follow up on that. Mm. That might be training uh, both within the customer or even back into AWS about our customer's environment. And that could be running brown bag sessions and demos for the customers as to how they can improve their environment. Uh, and working back to AWS to help our support engineers understand that customer's environment, mm-hmm. um, give mm-hmm. that nuanced feel of what's going on, yeah. the context, yeah. so that we can get that really fast resolution for our customers. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's, I think it's important to remember that that uh, the technical account manager role is, is part of the enterprise support offering. So enterprise support gives customers a variety of different things, including uh, a different SLA on their support calls, different routing, lots of other benefits that we won't go into right now. But one of them is, is having that technical account manager. And, you know, most of the, the TAMs, we call them TAMs for short. Uh, most of the TAMs I see spend at least a day a week on site with the customer. They kind of almost, you know, many of them have a desk, they'll have an ID badge, et cetera. It's, it's kind of a, a, a very uh, deeply ingrained role. Um, Mark, 
Tell us a bit about how the Tamrol has changed because it's it's not what it started off as. So tell us what's what's changed in your experience. Sure. So I joined Amazon in 2013, so almost five years ago, and uh, and and so we had actually very few enterprise support customers back then. I think generally. When customers were migrating to AWS back then, uh, a lot of it was what we term lift and shift. Uh, so especially when the Sydney region uh, came into being, a lot of customers were moving out of their on-premise data centers. Possibly they had contracts that were finishing up. And so they took the opportunity to just take their, their, their instances or the virtual machines and just run them on EC2. And, uh, and, they, and they got a lot of benefits out of that. What I've seen... I guess in the last few years is uh, a lot more people are being a lot more strategic about how they move into AWS. Uh, so, so one example would be uh, I have a customer currently that's migrating one of their websites into AWS, and uh, and they're running a Postgres database uh, on premise, but uh, they wanted to use our DMS service, a database database migration service, to to move their data into AWS um, prior to the migration. But their, their Postgres database doesn't support DMS. It's not the right version. So what they actually did is they went away for a couple of weeks and they've gone and upgraded that database. So they've been a lot more strategic about moving things into AWS piece by piece. They're taking their time uh, and they're thinking carefully about how they can how they can move into AWS, I guess, in the most reliable way. So I've seen that 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 sort of one trend. The the other one, of course, is uh, is a lot more services, um, and with more services comes more interaction between those services. Uh, I think we've moved into completely new areas. When I when I started, Docker wasn't um, I don't think it had even been invented, so it was it, it wasn't, wasn't a thing. thing. <laughs> it wasn't something you know. Customers were not talking about containerization. They were they were looking at other ways to um, you know to get benefits out of the platform. So. So that's another general shift, that, that quick um, introduction of new services and the interaction between those services. Um, and then I'd say in terms of... So, well, I guess, I, guess, I guess, Mark, there's also, there's also that thing of, you know, the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm. Um, what hasn't changed in your experience? Uh, well, I think customers still understand the value of support. So that's, um, that's really good to see. I mean, if you think about... Uh, most of our customers, their their number one priority is reliability, and, and we have we've seen studies that show this. Reliability is number one, and and the quality of technical support is number two. So customers still rely on support to to uh, to be there in times of need. Uh, and then from a I guess from a services perspective, customers are still um, when we talk about things like reserved instances, they're. Customers, in some respects, still struggle with with understanding reserved instances and making good decisions around those. So, the sort of conversations we were having in 2013 about cost optimization, we're still having them four or five years later. Uh, so those those things have not changed. That's a good thing. I think one of the things to remember is that the, the TAMs and the solution architects have a very strong focus with our customers on helping them spend less and optimizing their spend on what they do, which is I know from a Doing the role perspective, a lot of fun because it's it's pretty awesome to have a conversation with a customer and see their eyes light up when you say, "Hey, let me uh, let me take a zero off this oh, bill for absolutely. you." Absolutely, and uh, and maybe just one last point on what has changed: scale has changed, Simon. So when we when we look at cost optimization, you know, two thousand and thirteen, if you could save three or four percent off your bill um, by making changes to to your S three profile, for example. 
if you're spending maybe a hundred thousand dollars a month, three or four percent is is good to have, but it's not it, it's not critical mass. But when you're spending three or four or five times that a month, those small percentages now start to count. So I think customers have become a lot more nuanced around cost and security and all, all of these little things that they can engineer to get the most out of AWS. And you mentioned security, and that's, I think, an interesting one, is there's so many more choices from a tooling perspective to have a better security profile, automate a lot of your security, et cetera. I think, as you said, there, the vast expanse of services, you know, 90-plus now, um, allow customers to do so much more. So the TAM spends a lot of his or her time informing customers about that, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the questions I had the other day was uh, was around security and and how to keep uh, their uh, a customer's private key for um, for their certificates uh, protected, and was there anything coming up in the roadmap? So it's not just it's not just solving problems, but it's also looking at what are we doing on an AWS on the AWS side to to make things easier for our customers, because a lot of customers are interested in possibly not putting in the engineering time if they know coming down the track. AWS is going to have something to solve that problem. So actually a lot of the lot of the time we spend talking to customers, trying to work out where they're going with things, what challenges they have, and, and possibly taking some of those challenges away from them by by looking into our roadmap uh, and seeing what's coming down the line. Sure. Now Jenny, it's uh it's not all coffee and donuts out there. Things uh, do go bump in the night. It's and mostly sometimes- coffee and donuts. Mostly coffee and donuts. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it has to be a good percentage of coffee yes. and donuts, I think. <laughs> and then we can get into the whole argument about where the best coffee is, which brand of donuts you choose. You do learn these things. You do. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, we, we talk a lot about two pizza teams, but I haven't seen a donut metric for a team at this stage. So We haven't. There are some great donut stores here in Melbourne, Simon, so I'll take you out there sometime. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, sign me up. Sign me up. So besides the donuts and coffee, um, customers can – run into issues that, that come to play, and that's the, the, the case in all of IT. So maybe do you want to tell us a few uh, a few interesting war stories that you can share with us on the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, and they range from little things where we can get in early and help, little things like uh, looking at the way customers are carving up their VPCs. Mm. Um, and I've seen a lot of times where customers just sort of look at, we'll give a slash uh, 24 range to a VPC. Uh, sorry, slash 16 to a VPC and then slash 24s to their subnets. And we need to get in and say, you know, IPv4, yeah, there's a reasonable amount in the private address range, but you're just wasting it. Yeah. You're not going to use that. Yeah. How about we look at better architecting this so that you've got more scope for the future? Because those are the, those are the sort of decisions that are hard to reverse later. Mm-hmm. So it's great as a temp to have that deep engagement and have those discussions and be invited to the table to to talk with um, with customers and when on, they're at that and stage. On that, I think it's a good example too of you know the TAM is also across what's changed in the services. So you yep. know we're in the past people would have maybe said look we can't change the size of our VPC mm. so we'll just make a honking great big one. Yep. Now they can actually grow if they need to, which yep. was the typical use case we found. So you can start smaller and grow rather than just go. That's right. Growing's now easy. Shrinking's yeah. not so easy. Not so much. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, we see customers perhaps um, not considering the benefits of separating security, having that separate account for security mm. logs, which I always think of as a great practice. Yeah. So just helping to encourage them to do that earlier, again, just easier to get it right from the beginning. Even things like uh, had customers discuss the way they were going to use DynamoDB tables. Uh, whilst I'm not a database expert, I can certainly see where there's wastage and maybe they're using multiple tables to achieve the same thing and say, look, if you considered using secondary indexes on your primary table, you could actually avoid all these extra tables. So little things like that we can get into and help solve early. 
Sometimes, though, we can't get in early. There was an occasion with a customer, a couple of years ago I had a customer that um, had some Direct Connect links from different providers. And and back then, for various reasons, they were going to the same peering point within AWS. Uh, we had some maintenance on one of our routers, and I looked into it and saw, oh, that's good, my customer's not affected, that's great. Went home that night. In fact, it was it was the next morning, probably in the shower. You know, that's where we do our best thinking. <laughs> and just thought, hang on a minute. Why aren't they impacted? I just <laughs> I just want to make sure of this. I just I just want to be absolutely sure that my customer um, doesn't have both their links going into the same router at AWS because mm-hmm. then a future maintenance event would uh, would cause an issue. That's right. Was able to get in on the tools and had a look proactively and uh, realised that um, you know luck was against us. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that customer. From their two different providers had their links terminating on the same AWS Direct Connect router. So whilst this is this could have been a very bad thing, it was a great example of a TAM being able to identify a single point of failure, mm. go to the customer and say, here's the issue, how are we going to work through this, spin up the necessary resources in AWS and changes and so on, work through and get that resolved so that when that maintenance did come and it came about a month later, on that router, the customer was not impacted. And, and that's a great example of that context that the TAM has, or really only the TAM can have in many ways, because you understood what was happening on the AWS side. You understood the customer situation where they, because they were coming through separate providers, the, if you like, the, the metadata around the configuration didn't make it obvious that the same customer was at the end of those two terminations. So it was hard to tell. Exactly. And look, Simon, this is really a good example of what we do expect from our TAMs. Um, I talked before about that, that mix of technical skills and soft skills. Yeah. So the technical skills to to dive deep, have a think about, well, hang on, if something looks like good news because they're not affected, is it really? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe mm-hmm. they should be. Mm-hmm. And then um, the relationship soft side skills to go and present that to the customer, work through resolution and keep that customer, turn, turn what could be a bad experience into an extremely positive experience for the customer and for the AWS platform. Absolutely. It's interesting, uh, you know, you often, you know, TAMs are often involved in critical events and significant events of varying degrees. Uh, you know, not just the ones that emanate from issues on the AWS side, perhaps it's also things that the customers experience themselves of which they happen to be deployed on AWS and they're trying to work that through. And certainly what I found through my career is that trust and respect is built through the tough times, not the easy times. It's all great when everything's humming along to be mates and it's coffee and donuts. It's when it's two in the morning, things are going really bad that you see the sort of the cut of someone's jib and yeah, absolutely, Simon. And that's definitely one of the expectations we have of a TAM that, um, you know, we, we hope to, uh, our customers are architected so that, you know, issues are very rare. Yeah. But if there is an issue, we do expect our TAMs to be, um, jumping in, getting on the customer war rooms and, um, you know, heavily involved. And, you know, perhaps we can talk about IEMs. Um, we will. And we'll, how TAMs can get involved in that we as well. We will we'll talk about those. But before we do that, just in case we haven't scared everyone away who might want to become a TAM, um, if someone was thinking about a TAM, what sort of experience would they need to have, Mark? Can you give us some uh, shed some light? Well, on they that? need to be able to have great ideas in the shower. That's the um, that's the first thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think Jenny summarised it well there. Uh, I, I like um, when we have TAMs come into the team that uh, can have a, a well structured, a comprehensive technical discussion with customers. That that really works. Uh, I think there are a lot of people that understand technology well and understand the AWS platform. But the, the, I guess the unique part about the TAM role is that you may one day be speaking to a room of developers that want to know about you know, the next feature for cloud formation. And then the following week, uh, you'll be in front of a, a business audience that, um, that are interested in driving down cost. Um, 
because of various business business reasons. So I guess the TAMs need to be comfortable. If people are thinking about becoming a TAM, they need to be comfortable with um, a variety of, of audiences. Uh, and and so we've had we've had people come to us with five years experience, with fifteen years experience. I think. Our average tenure is is sort of thirteen to fifteen years in the in the industry. So people that are fairly tenured, uh, and and technical breadth is pretty important, Simon. But um, as you would know, working at AWS, you you think you you think you know all of the services, and then all you need to do is wait a couple of months, and and there are completely new areas that you need to to go and learn. So so rather than people that know absolutely everything, what we're looking for is a certain curiosity and. and um, one of our leadership principles is, is learn and be curious, and that, that is really important for the TAM role because uh, uh, you know you need to be able to quickly expand into into new areas and not be a complete expert, but know enough to get yourself out of trouble um, and uh, and to earn the trust of the customer and, and show the customers that um, that you can learn and you can grow with them as they change um, their, their AWS course. So. Uh, yeah, and that, that that curiosity is, I think, a really important trait that we see in all of our TAMs. And it's, it's interesting when you think about the solution architect role and the TAM role, there is a, a huge degree of overlap in terms of the personal qualities and attributes of, of people who do those roles. And one of the things I, th- I see that TAMs get to do is they get to see systems grow really, really big and be very, very significant. And they get to be part of that long-term journey with their customers rather than kind of flitting in and flitting out a little bit. Yeah, more. absolutely. And we, we typically work with a small number of customers as well. So for people that, are, you know, that want to become TAMs, you sort of think of, of working with a, with a handful of customers that you get to know really well um, and uh, you earn their trust and, and you show them that you can uh, – customer obsession is our, is our, I guess, number one leadership principle. And, and that means – Looking at what's coming up for the customer and trying to and trying to be their advocate, as, as Jenny said before. So, so all of those things are really important for Tam. For sure, for sure. And that, yeah, and that getting to know the customer and diving deep is probably a good a good segue into the discussion around infrastructure event management or IEM. Um, Jenny, tell us what I mean. This is one of my favourite things at AWS, quite frankly. Even though the name is probably not my favourite because it's really hard to say, so I'm probably going to stumble it over a few times. But what's an IEM? What does it do for customers? Yeah, thanks, Simon. So look, uh, as you said, infrastructure event management. These are events we spin up at AWS to help customers when they have an event that simply cannot fail. Uh, we talked earlier about how customers on enterprise support have a, they can get a 15 minute SLA on critical cases, mm-hmm. but sometimes for a critical event, 15 minutes is a very long time. Yeah. So what we try to do with an IEM is bring that response time down to zero. So it's pretty good. SLA zero. Zero. That's right. <laughs> uh, what, what a TAM would do is um, work with the customer before the event, bring in specialists and architects to make sure that the customer's architecture is resilient and scalable because typically an IEM could be a vast amount of traffic about to hit the platform. Mm. Um, good example at the moment, we've got Spring Racing Carnival on here in Australia. We've recently had a whole lot of grand finals. So we see a lot of our media and gaming companies with um, – very large, expected, yeah. but very large traffic spikes. And I think just to, to contextualise those large traffic spikes, um, these are like, you know, 10 times the maximum or 100 times the maximum they get through the rest of the year. It happens like on one day. It's like it's sort of uh, equivalent to Super Bowl-type traffic, I think. is Absolutely happening. is. And, look, part of this is the absolute beauty of operating the cloud and this elasticity to scale up and scale down. But you do want to make sure you're architected properly for that. So um, we'll work before the event with the customers to make sure they're scaled, but also during the event, we'll have um, teams spun up around the globe 
ready to react at a moment's notice. Those teams will be briefed on the customer's environment, the critical components in the environment. They'll be actively monitoring those components. The TAM on request from the customer will actually go on site and sit with the customer's team or be available online, whatever suits the customer at that time. Um, most of the time we see these events because we do spend so much time preparing for them go very smoothly. But of course, in the event that something does go wrong, we're responding immediately, um, working around or resolving that incident to get that um, customer experience, uh, you know, get those customers working and, and uh, minimise the impacts of that, um, yeah. that incident. Yeah. I think part of that process is really interesting because it, it brings discipline that we use with many customers to a broad range of customers so they can see how other organizations have spun up and prepared. And a big part of the IM is not, like you say, the, the zero SLA in fixing something. It's more the fact that you do the testing beforehand. What a concept. But for many people, they don't do large scale things that often. So. How do I test? What do I test? What should I be looking for? All these will come out of that process, won't they? Absolutely. And look, it's important to note with an IEM, it's not just AWS spinning up the resources and doing all the work. It is a commitment from the customer. Yes. We do expect the customer to work with us, perform that testing, uh, the the load testing. Um, so, yeah, customers yeah, it's a collaborative need to thing. They've got to buy into the process. Yeah, because yeah. the customer essentially is driving the process. We're simply assisting and providing some expertise and some some experience. Absolutely. And look, one of the most important things we do, Simon, is after the event, we'll get together with the customer. We'll go through, look at the statistics collected mm. from both parties, look at how we could potentially improve the architecture next time. Uh, often we find we overscale. Yeah. Um, and for most events, that's actually a good thing. Yeah. You, yeah. you certainly, I'd rather Over pay a few hundred day. dollars more for a massive <laughs> event than, um, than be undersized. But it could be that next time we say, well, that was a great experience and we were twice as big as we needed to be, yeah. so let's let's scale down a bit for next time. The other thing I'd like to, to point out is that the, the nature of what we would term an event is not just a you know, tickets go on sale, there's a big race, et cetera, but a data centre migration or a major systems migration is also considered an event and should have those same disciplines put around them. Abs- absolutely, Simon, yep. So really when we talk about infrastructure event management, it really is you know, you could almost rename it major event management. What, mm. what is it that um, a customer sees as a major event and how can we get involved to help them make that event a success? Let's put the proposal into uh, change the name then, it <laughs> sounds like. So if people are interested in becoming a TAM, where would they go to find out more information? Sure. Well, um, look, I'd start with looking on jobs.amazon.com. Um, just search for TAM. Have a look at what the role entails. Um there's going to be a few things I'd like to say about the role. We're prepared for cus- for um, sorry for applicants to come in with little AWS knowledge, as long as they have that um, curiosity about technology. Learn and be curious is is probably one of the Amazon leadership principles that is hardest to teach. We really expect people to just come in and be curious. Um, I think as a minimum, I'd like them to have logged onto the platform, spun up some EC2 instances, logged on, understand the concepts uploaded some files to S3, looked at those files through a browser, through the HTTP endpoint. Um, that would be the bare minimum. The more exposure they've had to AWS, the better, um, but certainly that level of curiosity. And look, a bit of a plug for you here. As I said, um, I listened to the AWS podcast from episode one, and I actually used that before I applied for a role at Amazon um, to help get myself up to speed. I don't necessarily think you need to go back to episode one now, Definitely. but maybe 150 <laughs> or so. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's a really good way to ramp up. That's great. Well, we, we have actually had one listener who she listened through seven hours 
of the podcast on a cross-US road trip. So I'm not recommending that. Wow, that's but, impressive. Um, you know, it can be done. It can be done. And those roles are global. So you'll see roles advertised for all different countries. So if you want to become a TAM, it's a good place to look at. Absolutely. It. And we're just growing faster and faster. So we're always hiring. So thanks very much, Jenny, for coming in and joining us on the podcast today. Thanks, Simon. And thanks, Mark, for joining us as well. You're very welcome, Simon. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening. As ever, we do love to get your feedback at AWS Podcast at Amazon.com. And until next time, keep on building.